and welcome to another edition of the Merchant of Magic podcast. I'm Dominic Reyes and in today's episode we have a really great uh, conversation for you. We'll be speaking to Grant Clark. Uh, that's a magic creator and magician that we've been following right since the first start of his career when we released his first ebook back when he was 19. And then over the years we've watched him develop and create some amazing magic that's caused quite a stir both here and in the US. Um, his latest tricks are now coming on to Magic Shop, so we thought we would talk to Goran and find out a little bit more about his magic, his approach, and some advice as well for magicians beginning to learn magic and start performing professionally. So I'm going to pass you over in a moment to Ben Williams, who's going to talk to Goran. Uh, if you like it as well, you can also watch the video version of this podcast. Now, if you enjoy the podcast, please go on iTunes and send us a review. That will really help us. Uh, just go onto iTunes and search Merchant of Magic and leave a review. It helps us find more listeners. So without any further ado, I'll hand you straight over to Ben. So, hello, hello. Garrett. How are you doing? Uh, I'm live with the Merchant of Magic. How are you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, thanks for inviting me along to uh, my first ever Google Hangout. Woo! <laughs> yeah, celebration and uh, yeah. set some balloons up. No, it's good. It's good. Um, so we essentially just want to pick your brains a bit and speak to you for a while and uh, and have this offered out to everyone and uh, and and see what you have to say. Really? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, so obviously, we started selling your uh, your downloads on our site. Which are which are pretty epic. Um, loving extra extra, by the way. Uh, Thanks. Anyone hasn't seen it, go to our, our new downloads. You'll see them there. There's non toxic uh, extra extra, and I think we're uploading fate today. So uh, so that's nice. Cool. Thank you. But uh, but we got a few questions. We just want to ask, see see what your replies are essentially. So we'll start with something really basic. So how yeah. did you get started in magic? Oh, the famous one. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird story, really, for me. So I didn't get started in magic till I was 16. So I was pretty late compared to most of you out there probably watching this at the moment. Uh, you probably got started when you were younger and you had like a Paul Daniels magic set or Marvin's magic magic set. Um, I had all of that, but I was just never really good at it. <laughs> so I had a job interview for Burton Menswear um when i was about 15 16 and i was 40 minutes early i, I thought I, I can't be that early so I, I went across the road um to a bookshop called the works where they sell sort of discounted books and literally on the stand right in front of me was the encyclopedia of magic by nicholas einhorn <laughs> sort of in, introductory book um nick einhorn's a genius i think but the the book was four pound and I, I looked through I thought I could learn a few of these. I took the book across to the coffee shop to the Starbucks and I learned the back palm. They had a back palm card. Right. And uh, I remember seeing on like Secrets of Magic, like that I watched on sort of the TV that it takes ten years to master. And I had it down in like three minutes. Or at least I thought I did when I was sort of sixteen. So uh yeah, I went across to the interview. They said, Have you got any hobbies? And I was panic in I lied I had a magic book in my hand so I said yeah magic and he said show me something I vanished the business card with a back palm and and I got the job so I just sort of stuck at it really sweet <laughs> so um how to keep up the lie yeah <laughs> so uh have you in your endeavors come across any sort of obstacles or anything or barriers when getting started um yeah, so there's a there's a massive one for me when I was first starting out in, in Magic, which was um, the whole new generation versus old generation. There seemed to be a massive divide between people who are experts in Magic and then putting a, a barrier up um, for people who wanted to get to know Magic. And there was a... Newcomers. Yeah, like... Um, like, oh, you shouldn't be learning that. Or, no, I'm not going to teach you that because you don't know this yet. And I, I joined a magic society and I, I asked about 15 people if they could teach me the pass because I obviously had seen people do it. I thought that looks amazing. I, I want to learn that. 
and no one would teach me. Um, they were like, oh, it's too hard for you, it's too hard for you. Do you reckon it's because they couldn't do it themselves? <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? I'm starting to believe that might be the case. But um, <laughs> there was a guy called uh, James uh, Piper. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, we've heard of James, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was a sort of in and out. He did a few gigs, but he'd come to like once in a blue moon magic um, society meetings. And he actually sort of took the time to sit down and teach me. And he was amazing. And then they told me about... Um, it was Wayne Dobson's lecture in Cardiff Arms Park. And I decided to go along. I met Gary Jones, who blows my mind every time I meet him. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like, thankfully, he, he was the one that sort of broke down that barrier then between old school professionals and newcomers to the art who like to kick about with a little bit of flourishing. There's a whole new wave of creativity within the, everyone that's new, isn't there? It's, uh, it's quite, quite special, really. It's, it's very different to, to the old style, but, uh, but yeah. you know, you've you got to give kudos to some of this creativity. Yeah, massively. And I, 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 I still, to this day, like, if someone says to me, what's the best trick you've ever seen? I'll say, sort of the old school trick by Gary Jones, six cards to pocket. Right, yeah, that's a classic. He... he Gary Jones is one of those people that can just nail you. He, he, every he, time I meet him, he misdirects me with something. Yeah. He fools me with something. So he, uh, he fooled me like five times in a row, <laughs> then taught me how it worked, and then fooled me again with it, and I ended up with a coin on my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? So, um, so yeah, like it, it's a, it was a, a barrier to begin with, um, and probably the best bit of personal advice that I could probably give out to anyone that was brand new in magic is to not bother, which is quite controversial, is not bother with a magic society and sort of pick out your own products, um, design your own routines, look for what suits you and don't be influenced by anyone else that wants to show you sort of um, 10 packet tricks in a row. Try and look for those magicians that are sort of willing to befriend you and teach you a few cool things seek out the material you want to learn yourself and you'll pick up the other stuff along the way anyway yeah that's that's, that's an interesting point i mean there's there's obviously a lot to to be said for magic communities and societies and things like that but um but i think having worked at the merchant of magic for so many years and seeing so many creative people send us things some of the most interesting ideas are the people that haven't been influenced by the magic yeah. community, you know the, yeah. um, I remember the first meeting Joe Barry, who <laughs> yeah. frequent magic societies or anything. He just got the expert at the card table, an expert card technique, and he can do the most amazing things. And uh, and he's got his own style completely because of that. He hasn't been influenced. He hasn't been taken down a, a, a pathway, so to speak, by his peers. Mm -hmm. so. I suppose there is there is a lot to be said for that. So I was going to actually say as well, because you've obviously had some recognition within the flourishing community. Um, mm -hmm. So how much of an impact does flourishing have on your magic when you're actually performing? You know, how, how do you integrate the two? Do you feel that they work well together or do you try and keep them separate? Um, yeah, I try and keep it separate. So uh, flourishing is just what I enjoy. Um, it's therapeutic to sort of mess with the deck of cards and... Obviously, for anyone interested in flourishing, you'll know me from the community, from the Blackpool videos, any London cardistry videos, anything tutorials-wise I've put out myself. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it has as much of a place in how I perform, and it, it definitely has a place for anyone who performs quick, snappy tricks. I know Dan Chard flourishes a lot in his magic, and it fits perfectly with his style of someone who can sort of run circles, run a deck of cards. Very elegant with a deck, very elegant with, with all of his moves and, and they're very fancy and, and flow yeah. very nicely. So. And, and a lot of his flourishing um, is like misdirection. So you'll sort of flick a card out and it'll jump over here and they'll say, oh, but did you look over here? This is in my pocket. So <laughs> for, 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 for him, it works for me. I've sort of gravitated away from any flashy uh, visual um, sets and routines for gigs and performances. So I, I sort of flourished myself. Um, it's kind of like a 
an individual thing. And you'll, you've seen me, Ben, around conventions and things. I'll be there with a the deck of cards constantly. I'm yeah. fighting the urge to, uh, to play with the deck now. <laughs> I know the feeling. But, um, yeah, like, I, personally, I, I don't think it fits well enough um, unless, of course, you're doing sort of routines like, um, like a multiple selection routine where you reveal each selection, in which case things like fans and flicks into the air and sort of triple cuts, they, they fit really well there. Yeah. So you think, I mean, obviously you think that flourishing can fit within a performance at gigs, but it has to fit your style as well. Yeah. I, I, and, and this is another thing like um, with style, and this is just a personal view, but I've seen magicians who will have two personas. So there's one where they're just chatting normally and they can show you a trick. And then there's one performance mode where they'll stand up and they'll be like, oh, hey, let me show you this over here. Let me grab this coin. If you look at that, let's see that's real. And they'll do some crazy arm movements and, and things, I think. Switch onto an act almost. Yeah, yeah. You can, people can see through it. They can see through when you're in performance mode and actual mode. Sure, sure. And, and I think as long as you are comfortable doing performance mode, then it, it is your actual mode. And, and if you're, if you're um, sort of quite lively and, and you want to flick cards through the air anyway and laugh and giggle and do what Dan, Dan Chard does really well, but for me, I'm quite sort of quiet and um, I've got quite a dulcet tone. So a lot of my magic is mentalism or borrowed objects and we'll have a bit of fun, but it, it's never sort of cheeky and one-liners. So I'm, I'm not the type of guy to get away with a joke, unfortunately. Hold out your clean hand. No, the other one sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't get away with that at all. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you've obviously created some some great sort of original magic with everyday objects, um, but how important do you think using everyday objects is to a modern lay audience? Um, I think it goes back to, like, how they perceive magic, and some people would have seen sort of a big illusionist as a kid, in which case anything you give to them is instantly a magic prop or, oh, that's a secret deck of cards or um, why are you using a Chinese coin, for instance? It's all about sort of how they perceive it. Some people, as long as you're going to give them the proof that it is real, um, then they're happy. And some people don't care as long as they're impressed, then they're happy. But I, I personally, I don't like carrying a lot of gimmicks around with me at, at gigs. So anything I create or anything I try and perform, I try and do with everyday objects. And Ben, you probably get this all the time. I don't <laughs> know if Dom gets it as well, but basically you go out for a meal um, or you'll go out shopping and you'll see someone and they'll open their wallet. And they're like, oh, this is that card that I signed. Can you do that trick for my friend where you get a coin in a bottle? And you're like, oh. Uh, I wish I had it with me. Cause, yeah, because you've left your gimmick at home. Whereas now I have people coming up to me and saying, can you do this, this, and this? I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah no, that that is an added benefit, obviously, of being able to, to do things impromptu with, with everyday items, especially borrowed items. Um, I think yeah. I was just going to say myself personally, I, I love to use everyday objects, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably worse than my wife in, in getting ready to go out. I mean, because I, I always like to, I, I have the, the sort of mentality that every magician should be prepared. You should be prepared to be, yeah. to show something at a moment's notice. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what's in my pockets. I have pocket management for, for my jeans and a t-shirt as much as I do for my suit at work. So it's, uh, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and as a magician as well, you should be ready to perform at any time. You need tricks that you can do on the fly and a repertoire of that. And you need tricks that you can do that enhance your aesthetic as a magician. So the gimmicks definitely have a place. I personally, uh, I, I think that I'm just too fat for my trousers to be stuffed in my pockets full of like 10 gimmicks. Yeah. So I literally, when I go to a gig, I go with a deck of cards, a stack of business cards and my phone and keys and that's it. And I can do an entire set of, sort of borrowing things and, and using my own. 
Okay, that's a that's a great a great sort of thing. So, what sort of genres of magic do you perform? So, I, I try and keep it really simple, um, and I, I find myself now lately going back to the stuff that I was a fan of when I first started magic. So. when David Blaine performed it on his special. And I find that it it kind of like merges the barrier between gambling and magic enough for them not to be um, put off by you doing a, a trick. So if you go to a table and you say, I've been hired by the bride and groom this evening, um, do you want to see something? Hands up if you gamble. You're not saying sort of pick a card and I, and it doesn't matter how good you are at audience management, you'll still get people that go, yeah, I've seen this one or, or pick a card. Oh yeah, I've seen this one. So it's better to go in and I think, um, and, and I find myself going back to those, which is like two card Monty, how many of you gamble? And then I'll show them something and then it's magic and then they want to see more. I think that's a great um, point. Ambitious card. I was just wrong. Say, um, sort of beginning by asking a question to somebody that's that's a little bit um, irrelevant. Um, yeah. Well, not irrelevant, relevant to what you're doing, but but not, you know, do you like magic? Do you want to see a magic trick? You're actually yeah. asking them something about their interests, which, uh, which instantly draws people in a lot more. If I'm yeah. going to do uh, a mentalism routine, I might ask by saying, you know, do you know the difference between mind reading and influence? And then people yeah. are genuinely like, oh, and they start thinking about it, and you engage them instantly. So, so that's a that's an interesting point. So, yeah, I agree. And I think that some people as well, um, it puts a lot of pressure on you. It's, it's like a challenge if you go straight in there with a magic trick. So you'll approach some tables, especially if people have been drinking, and you'll see that instant table atmosphere change. So you go, oh, guys, you want to see a trick? I've been hired by the bride groom, and then you get like a few alpha males go sit back go on then go on then like <laughs> and, and, it, and then it, it it's like a challenge it's like them the ta it's table versus you rather than sort of you going over and joining in and sitting down and sort of showing them something pretty cool that they're not expecting till the end but yeah i, I do a lot of sort of classics really like two card monty ambitious card and then um mentalism is where i sort of focus then so i'll say i've got like for for signature things then oh, that's funny because it's written here in my pocket do you know what i mean and then i'll break into things like let's try something cool i think i i understand sort of you all well enough now to, to do this if it doesn't work we'll do something else but let's try this and then i'll sort of blend into that mentalism phase phase yeah, there's um, there's a, a trick that we're promoting at the moment called P.S. I Love You, uh, and it's it's a really simplistic sort of trick as far as method goes, but it's the way that uh, Steve Shufton's written it is really powerful. It's uh, it's like a two-phase prediction thing, which is just you know seven business cards and and, and a pen, and uh, and it's a really powerful sort of thing to to sort of cross over the barrier from doing maybe a card trick or something and then going into your mentalism routines and things. But, um, but yeah, so what, what's your go-to effect? I'd, I'd probably say two card Monty is the go-to effect. Like if I, if I've got a deck of cards on me, that's the go-to effect. Um, if I haven't, if I haven't got deck cards on me, I'll always go for non-toxic. Sure. At all, at all times. Cause it's, sort of set up at all times. I carry my phone on me, even when I don't have a deck of cards on me. But there's, there's loads of things you could do. I just think that when put on the spot, people expect a short, snappy trick rather than a sort of full, full routine. There's so many benefits to that as well. It seems organic and natural. Um, you know, actually, before we uh, before we start ranting on about non-toxic, can you just describe for our listeners exactly what it is? Um, yeah, so I, I don't know whether anyone that's watching has seen this sort of classic effect, but um, it's basically an add a number routine. So you get a, a phone um, and the spectator types in any number they want. So the, the sort of presentation I use um, and a few other magicians use is that they type in their date of birth and then 
it's handed off to the next spectator or they can multiply it by their own four digit number. Um, and then we multiply that by the time, so the random time that we're doing this. And I say the 66 million mobile phones in the UK and give that answer a call. So what, whatever the outcome was, they call that number. So the first sort of, it's shock, it's a mobile telephone number, that, that's crazy. The next thing is when they call it, your phone starts ringing in their hand or in a, another spectator's hand. And that's crazy. That's another sort of reaction moment. And then the third is when they answer it and it actually is you and it's not an app and it's a genuine phone call. There's like another reaction moment. So yeah, for me, that's, it's a go-to. If, if I don't have a deck of cards on me, like I, I always default to that. And I have done since sort of 2009, really. Well, uh, is that just for iPhone or is it iPhone and Android as well? Um, so yeah, so it, it was initially just just an iPhone effect. Um, and then um, I bought a, an Android device and sort of came up with a way to do it on Android as well. Okay, cool. So now it's Android and iPhone smartphones. So it doesn't, doesn't matter to me which, which phone I've got on me or what phone they've got if you want to set sort of something up you want to do this the sneaky sneaky method first but um <laughs> but yeah you, you can do it with any smartphone cool okay um so do you consider yourself a creator then as you i mean if one of your go-to effects is your own effect which is a great thing do you would you call yourself a creator um i, I don't know to be honest i think there's a certain in, in my mind, anyway, there's a certain prestige of creators. So uh, I think anyone who sort of publishes an original material and it's well received and it's not a rip off, anyone that does that is a creator in their own right. But I wouldn't introduce myself at a convention like that. I wouldn't introduce myself like that on a business card or if someone asked me, I, w I wouldn't say. Magic creator. I'm a, I'm a creator, yeah, magic creator. Although, although it it does does give you some sort of like Jonathan Creek, super clever, intelligent um, element to your your sort of reputation. It's just I I personally find it sort of a, a bit bit maybe self indulgent for me to even think of myself like that because I've only sort of come up with a few few effects. I'm sure other people will think different, and I, I've got a few people that. Sort of think I'm a, a creator. I, I, I don't know. Am, am I a creator, Ben? What would you say? <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, you you have created, you know, a couple of great great effects that have been you, like worldwide by professionals. So I mean, um, you know, is there any, uh, for example, is there anyone that that's you've seen using your effect that's that's completely humbled you and made you go, oh my god? Um, do you know, I've I've had a few. Uh, so, I, know. I know, that's why I ask. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so uh, hmm. I suppose the, the most most humbling initially was when Chris Kenner came over um, at the session, sat down with us and said, sort of, uh, I know you. He said that B. Smith used my effect, Fate. Um, he said, uh, I've seen it. I showed him non-toxic and he said, oh, that's awesome. And showed him the method and everything. Um, and then when I released my DVD, which um, I think might be on Magic Shop. That's the uh, Eden Project. Eden Project, yeah. I had a tweet from David Copperfield to say, good work. So he said that's, uh, that's great. incredible kudos. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, it's like, keep up the good work with your magic, great stuff or something. So uh, that was huge. And then Ben Hanlin, obviously, who's like a super charming guy. Uh, met him at the session convention. And then when I was at Blackpool last year, uh, Doug McKenzie, that many of you may know from consulting for, for Blaine, um, said that he saw my DVD in a hotel room that he uses the effects. So. That's amazing. Your uh, fate was also done, was it not on, uh, is it America's Got Talent or something? By oh, the... yeah. So uh, for a huge boost to the magic community, I think, worldwide. Matt Franco um, won America's Got Talent, which for anyone who watches talent shows is like, it's a big thing for a magician to even get through. 
yeah, and, uh, yeah it, it's unheard of. I know. He did a, a performance of Fate on a TV show, uh, Queen Latifah, her TV show in America, which he absolutely nailed. His performance was great. So, uh, yeah, that, that was humbling as well, to know that he's reached that level of fame and that he's sort of defaulted to something I came up with in my bedroom when I was sort of like 18. So, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say you're a creator. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that. Uh, so what's, uh, what would you next like to do in Magic? Uh, what, what's your next achievement? Have you got anything else for the Magic community? Yeah, so um, at the moment I've sort of teamed up with uh, my friend Rory Adams and we're working on a few new videos and releases. Uh, instant downloads is sort of, it's good, but I've, I've got so many useless moves, which is, sounds stupid, but... Um, I was originally known for my card magic. I, I know Dom and you at, at Magic Shop put out my first ebook when I was 19. Um, it was called Devious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was ages ago. So, um, so uh, yeah, I've got a load of slights and ideas and things with a deck of cards that are either flourish-based or that I think sort of just aren't good enough to want to perform every day but are perfect for any move monkeys out there so i'm going to sort of write like a lecture note style book um like the buck twins do um they put out sort of lecture notes don't they sure sure so um so yeah all of those and then i've got some dvd projects sort of coming up as well which will hopefully be on uh, on magicshop.co.uk soon and most definitely i yeah i want to i want to start going into lecturing. I did my first lecture um, going back a few months ago. So I'd, I'd love to travel, like literally would love to travel the world and sort of show people what, what I've come up with and hang out with magicians all over the world. Like that would be, be really cool. So long-term aspirations, that's where I, I preferably want to be. Cool, cool. Um, do, you, uh, do you have any like major influences? Like who, who would be... Uh, your biggest inspirations within magic? Uh, yeah, so I actually had had a love of close-up magic um, from seeing Dynamo on MTV Base. Like, right. like this was years ago, which got me on to watching Blaine specials. Um, so Blaine definitely Dynamo, which is controversial, gets a lot of unnecessary hate within the community i, th I think he's sort of I think, done everything i think everyone at the merchant of magic kind of feels like what what he's actually done for magic and what his team have done for magic especially yeah. lay public's view is I, I don't know how it can be anything but positive you know um yeah. the amount I of think that, uh, and the amount of uh you know the the amount that gigs have gone up and the amount that people are now being booked in restaurants and and other places and magic's cool again and and things like that i think it's it's only a really positive thing really yeah and i think because he's on tv it opens you up as well as a magician to a lot of sort of confidence and self-esteem building at a gig when they can see a trick in front of their face and i've had countless times oh you're better than dynamo why are you not on tv yeah yeah yeah. and you've had it as well and any professional magician probably out there that's doing gigs every day you should have had it as well hmm. and it doesn't mean that you are better than dynamo it just means that people are enjoying that people are enjoying that sort of close-up magic that they probably wouldn't have 10 years before when you went to a restaurant and said do you fancy a magician and they were they probably think it's a bit lame maybe yeah I think there's, I think there's um you know, there's a huge difference between watching magic on TV, whether it's performed in front of a live audience or not, but watching something on TV and then seeing something right in front of your face. Um, it doesn't, seeing something in front of your face doesn't need to be uh, the the massive big illusions you see on TV. It just needs yeah. to be something amazing and impossible. And, and then they'll give you, you know, the same respect and because... Yeah something they've seen with their own eyes and they can't, they still can't believe it. So, uh, so I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's only the amount of exposure that's on, not, not magic exposure, not secret exposure, but the amount of exposure that magic's got on TV recently is, is, uh, is a great thing. I think it's, you know, 
there's some uh, some really great programs uh, like like Ben Hanlon's trick. There's uh, the new one DMC's uh, magic show that's on Nat Geo Wild is a is a great show. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Uh, you should check it out. It's a uh, it's a bit more of a classic look at magic. He he t- travels the world and uh, and looks at lots of different things um, uh, like the Asian market and things like that and and levitations and and different different styles. And he he performs the grandest illusions of those styles. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there. You know, I think also the way that the um, media's come on it's able to film magic in such a such a grand scale and it looks so great on tv now it's uh it's not just in a studio sort of with a live audience and a, and a couple of big clunky cameras you know it's, it's very dynamic now so yeah i think uh as well like sometimes people like i see on message boards and forums and facebook groups and things we got Dom. some people are afraid of it. hey hi hi oh, hey, Dom. 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 carry on <laughs> So yeah, so some people are afraid of the exposure. They uh, they see all these gigs as something where people are going to challenge them at performances. And Dom's probably had this. Uh, like I've never once performed for someone where they go, "That was a good trick where you read my mind or told me my birthday or um, I called your number." Go float on that bus. No one's ever said it ever. Like, because they don't expect it of you. And there's different singers that you'll go to gigs and enjoy. And there's different magicians that I think people will, they'll understand, they're not stupid. They'll understand the distinction between um, a grand illusion like walking on the Thames and you walking across a fish pond, at a courtyard, at a wedding. No one will ever ask that. And if they do ask that, it's probably them having a bit of banter with you. And as long as you can laugh it off and show them something equally as impressive, you can go home with your head held high and, collect your tips yeah exactly i think um you know it's a it's a bit like watching david copperfield vanish 13 people off the stage and then appearing back in the auditorium and then and people would not expect him to do that out in the street so you know like you say i don't i think the lay the lay public is is a lot um you know know, the lay public love dynamo yeah and he gets a lot of negativity from other magicians but magicians are not his market at the end of the day, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, his job is is promoting and inspiring people to watch more magic. So, you know, for myself, if someone mentions Dynamo uh, at, at a gig, I see that as a great compliment in the fact that, oh, okay, this guy's, these people are interested in magic and they've seen some magic and they've enjoyed it in another setting. And I'm really likely, if there's, if there's a new magic show going on, I'm likely to say, oh, you know, if you want to see some great magic on TV, um, check out Dynamo's new series that, that that's on here. Let me put, it's going to be on watch at six o'clock and I'll put that on the back of my business card and I'll give it to them. Um, and even, even better than that is if, because obviously the more Dynamo performs on TV, the more likely it is that he's going to perform something that you can do or that you can learn. So there's an option there. If someone says, oh, I love Dynamo, it's for you to go, oh, um, have you watched his last series? Let me show you something that we can we can both do. Check out this. This will impress you more now. And you might do sort of coin and bottle or you might sort of do an ambitious card routine in front of their face then where they go, do you know, I watched that on TV and it was brilliant, but that is incredible. I've never seen anything like that in front of my face. I think when when we saw Met Dynamo recently, you know, he even said himself that uh, that he he can't obviously do everything he does on TV at, at gigs, but he will have a version of a of a vanish and a reappearance. He'll have a version of a levitation. He'll have a version of something into bottle that he can do for for spectators, whether it's a coin or or not. And I think we can all learn something from that if if we're dynamic enough to just just see see the differences yeah. between you know sticking a phone in a bottle and and you know well why not change that and do something like prohibition and do a cap in bottle yeah. it's the same effect for a lay person and one of dynamo's go-to effects is the invisible deck which i'm sure you stock on merchant of magic so sold a thousand of them over our years <laughs> literally buy one of those Keep that in your pocket. And anytime someone says to you, oh, yeah, you're a magician as well. Have you, have you seen Dynamo? Like, I bet you can't do that thing. Like, you know, you'll say, oh, well, actually, like, you've put me to the test now. Let's, let's see if we can try something. Name any card. 
And if they are a fan of Dynamo, they probably would have seen that trick, in which case it's equally as, if not more impressive, when done live to them in the first place. This is so, true. It's not a new thing either, because I imagine, you know, the guys performing in the clubs and restaurants in the 70s, probably every day got someone saying, oh, yeah, oh, did you see Paul Daniels? I watched yeah. the Paul Daniels magic show last night. It was brilliant. He did this and this and this. Or Doug Henning or, or something. Or Doug Henning or something like that. Yeah. So you're, you're always going to be compared to, to someone on television and you can't take it as a... I think, I think the problem is a lot of magicians um, see Dynamo performing and there's a lot of tricks that they feel that they could do as well. And therefore they're like, well, why, why is he on TV when I can do the magic just like that? And the, and the tricks which are designed for television they're saying, well, I couldn't possibly do that, so that's not fair. Or, so it's kind of a they're saying, Well, I could do that if I had if I had the team or the budget or something like that. But, uh... but that's an interesting point, which is don't be afraid to say no. If someone says to you, can you get my phone in a bottle? No. No, I can't. I, I haven't learned that yet. Or, no, I can't, mm. sorry. I like, turn around and I say, well, I, I you know... At the end of the day, I'm not going to, uh, if, if I could, I wouldn't because that's Dynamo's sort of his yeah. piece. And I'll just, I'll probably have his lawyers contact me or something like that. And I say something like that to the lay audience and they go, oh, really? Oh, wow, wow. If you leave a gig and the only thing they can say about you is that you couldn't do a trick that they've seen on TV, you haven't done your job properly. Like they, and this is a thing with uh, like psychics and mentalists and no one will ever remember the misses. So you can say, oh, you're thinking of James. Is it James, Jim, uh, John? And people forget the names you've named previously. If they say, can you do phone and bottle? You say, no, I can't, sorry, but let me show you this. Can I borrow your ring? And you do something incredible for them. They're going to go home. They're not going to tell their friends, oh, he couldn't do phone and bottle. I met a magician tonight. He couldn't do phone and bottle. Because they're going to go, so? But if they go, I met a magician tonight, he took my ring, it vanished, it appeared on his shoelaces, or he took my ring, it vanished, it was on my shoulder. Like, wh which one is the story they're going to tell? Because it certainly isn't going to be the one where you didn't do a trick. I think so they're, they're I said, asking as well. It, it's kind of like their way of testing to see um, if, 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 uh, if what they see on TV is, is really true. They don't need to see what they saw on TV exactly. They just need to see something that almost replicates it or, or gives them the same feeling. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to be this grand sort of make a car vanish or, or, or teleport from one building to another. You know, simply... It's bigger because it's happening in their hands as well and it's yeah. happening you know, a foot away from them. Yeah, if I take someone's ring and it just completely vanishes and then it's, I, I go nowhere near my back pockets and it's on my car keys, that is a miracle to people. It really is. Yeah. And, and that's what they'll remember. They won't remember that they asked me to you know, teleport across a building. I just say, well, I, you know, I'll do something a bit more smaller scale, but I'll do it with your item. I'll do it with something of yours. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that takes us nicely back to the point that we made earlier, which was, like, I, I go for the simpler stuff now. So things, the classics, like you said, like uh, Ring Flight Revolution, like um, sort of uh, either the Acid Novus Peak or a Peak Wallet, like, it doesn't need to be some grand effect that you do every stage of the way you could go out with the classics of magic and and present it how you want and it would be equally as impressive as floating on a bus walking across water making someone's sunglasses sort of a, a snap and repair like what, whatever you want to do it, it should and can be equally as good as anything anyone sees on tv yeah. If, so when you're creating, can I ask a question? When you when you um when you're creating, do you start off with an idea of a type of magic that you would like to happen? Like, okay, I want some I want chewing gum. I've chewed the chewing gum. Wouldn't it be cool if that instantly turned back into uh, you know, a fresh little block of, of gum, like an extra extra? Or do you find a, a method and a and a technique and think, wow, this could be a trick and develop it into a trick? Is it top down or or, um, or sort of bottom up? And uh, yeah, it's kind of like top down. So uh, with extra extra, I was just actually a really big fan of sticky situation, um, and then I got asked to perform it when I didn't have the special item on me. Um, 
so that I just developed really a solution for the problem, which is sticky situation impromptu, um, which for, for me is, is sort of, is the solution to the problem, which is that I didn't have to then carry that particular item on me at all times. Um, and then the same with the, the sort of non-toxic method, which is that I went to gigs and people would be drunk or they'd be familiar with the phone. So you do the setup and then they'd go, oh, no, sorry, I made a mistake. And they'd cancel it off. It would totally ruin your setup. I thought, right, how am I going to fix this? And I sort of approached it with a problem. And a lot of my magic is sort of like that now. It's like I'll create something based off a problem. So um, I've got a sandwich effect called fly um, where their signed card is sort of sticking out of the deck and they're already holding on to the sandwich cards themselves and they can see it vanish in someone else's hands um, before it appears over there. And that was just to solve the problem, which is that you sort of, you square a card in, oh, that's your selection, hold on to these two queens for me, and then, oh, look, it's vanished. I wanted to the, sort of break that, that timing, really, and for them to go, oh, yeah, but I actually saw it, and I was already holding on to these. So a lot of it is like problems. And then fate literally just came out of the blue. Um, I used to play a game with my family on long road trips, which was to guess the next song on the radio. And uh, I thought, what if you could do that with an iPod? And I played around a little bit with it, did it on an iPhone, worked a treat. Um, and then over the years, I found out that people were just more impressed when you borrowed theirs and told them what song they were thinking of instead. So it, it kind of sort of developed it into being that rather than than what I wanted. But that was like a top down. That's what I wanted to achieve. And the others are just fixing problems. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, uh, you know, if anyone's watched some of your tuition videos and, and things, the actual detail that you go into, uh, the motivation of everything is, is really, really well thought out. So, um, you know, how do you do you just develop that over time through performance or is that something that you want to hash out before you even take it out for a run no i i and this is advice i'd give to, to anyone in magic or anyone which is so again controversial so i'm sorry guys if this is going to bring you some heat but um i say perform to practice don't practice to perform so you need to get out there and do stuff and you'll you'll learn way quicker. You'll learn where people instantly look whilst doing an effect and you'll learn then how to misdirect people even better. Or you'll learn all the problems and things that people will naturally say whilst performing. So I'm not saying go out to professional gigs and ruin 10 tables just to get that magic one on the 11th. <laughs> I'm saying perform to your family, perform to your friends, see where they go, perform to strangers in the street that you'll never see again. And you'll identify all the nooks and crannies of a routine way quicker than you would is if you sat in your bedroom, perfected the slights, and then realized that people are going to look at your hands anyway. I think that's a, that's an interesting thing because we we did a, a little video with Eric Jones a while back, and one of his pieces of advice was that he wished that he'd been caught more and people yeah. were honest with him because it's through those failures. People, so many people are afraid to fail, but it's yeah. actually through those failures that you can learn to to be even better. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. Yeah, and I see what I see what you're saying, and I, and I appreciate that as well, Ben. But I think. And, and I agree to some extent, but I think you need to practice first. And but that isn't going. You are going to have to perform, but you you shouldn't straight away buy a trick and go out and start performing it once you've had the options. There still has to be a bit of practice there first to get up to the standard that you feel is is performance ready, and it probably isn't. But that's when maybe, yeah. like you said, you're going to have to carry on and perform. But I, I wouldn't recommend anyone to just go and buy a magic trick because they want to start performing it that weekend. Oh, no, no, no. Not no, no. And, and I, I think, yeah, you, you're right. I mean, there's two stages of being ready. One is, can you execute the trick? And the second is, you're ready to properly perform it. And I think I go at the executing stage. Can I, 10 out of 10, pull off that slide and vanish that coin? Great. And I'm not going to work for four years on that before I show anyone. And I'm right, can I do it? Yes, I can do it flawlessly. 
great, I'll go and perform. But you then learn uh, through performance. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you learn through performance quicker. So if you can do a double lift, um, you don't need to master five double lifts before you go out and perform a routine. Go out and perform the routine with that one that you know. And then over time, you'll pick up small subtleties and ways of doing things like with any routine that will make it perfect. And Dom, I, I don't know what you perform in your, your regular sort of sets, but I'm sure you've got things in there that have been in there for 10 years that started off sort of mediocre stage and now we're like big hitters just through small small tweaks alone yeah i think it's a whole series of small tweaks that slowly over the years build it up to something that you feel is kind of like yours even though the 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 core effect isn't you know coins across is isn't mine but the way i perform it feels like mine because there's all these little tiny tweaks over sort of 10 years of doing it every night but um yeah I, i agree with you i agree with you with that but I would, uh, I'd also point, I'd also ask, really, if you, if you, if you're, you've, you've got a, a trick and you've got it to the point where you can execute the moves, and then you go out and, and perform it. There's, there's not going to be anything wrong about failing and getting feedback uh, from it. But if you're doing it to your family and friends, do you think that they're a good, a good audience for you as a beginner? Are they going to give you honest feedback? Um, they may not, but I think it's. It depends whether you can be open and honest with them and say, right, listen, if you see something going awry here, tell me. If you see how I did it, can you tell me? So it depends on what relationship you've got with them. I think it's but, all about um, fooling yourself. Yeah. Like, don't, and again, don't be afraid to fail either. Like, I've messed up some serious tricks in my time. That I've recovered, like, you know, chaos cards through a window? Yeah. I did that before in Revolution Vodka Bar. And the girl who was holding the cards against the window dropped them all. Um, and it was just as good of a trick to everyone else anyway. So, like, don't be afraid to fail. Like, if you, you want to go out on a limb and, and do it, it, half the time it fails, in which case neither of you can do magic, a.k.a. the magician or the spectator. You can both go home um, not being able to do magic, um, or, or it'll come off anyway, and you sort of go home like a miracle worker. I think if you if you feel like you're performance ready to take something out and you go out and you test it and it fails time and time over again, then maybe you should go back to the drawing board and, and you know, put the practice time in to, to get the moves and everything uh, sorted. So, OK, well, um, we're running out of time now, so um, I'm yeah. going to need to wind this down. So, Grant, that's really fantastic. And I'm sure, you know, our viewers are going to get something out of that. Um, what's your plans for the future? What's the next project? What can you tell us? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, next project will be uh, Fly, which is a signed um, sandwich routine. Um, and after that, probably a book and series of lecture notes. And hopefully that'll be 2015 wrapped up. Cool. How can we get in touch with you as well, just quickly before we go? Uh, Instagram. So it's Instagram.com uh, forward slash Garand underscore Clark. Or if you've got the app at Garand underscore Clark. But yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's really cool. And you know, I've watched your career from from when you sent me that that instant download, that ebook, the devious book, way back when. <laughs> I've watched you slowly progressing through, and and the magic's like awesome. So you, it's uh, you're it's an inspiration to see that creative process and see you develop as a creator. Uh, thanks, guys. I, honestly, I really appreciate it. And, and this is humbling for me as well to to even be asked on. So. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll continue to impress you both and I'll see you at the next convention. Cool. Cheers. All right, take care. Take care. All right, catch up. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you've got any problems or questions at all, um, shoot us an email over at support at magicshop.co.uk and check out the blog as well, which is blog.magicshop.co.uk. Um, also, check out Extra X. And we'll have fun there as well. We've got a whole range of, of magic as well from uh, from Grant, so check it out because it's all really good stuff. Uh, that will all be in our new download section, by the way, which is on the left-hand side of the, uh, the web page. So. Cool, yeah. And uh, what's good in a magic shop this week? Well, we've got um, coming in 
We've got PS I Love You, which will be in sort of, I think, the next couple of weeks, yeah. um, which is a good, uh, Garrett was talking about real simple sorts of things, but the hard hitters, this is a real simple sort of uh, uh, mentalism routine, really direct. This is, this is stripped right down. So literally you just have a pen and seven business cards. So if you're ever at a gig and suddenly you need some material or you want a bit of mentalism straight off the fly, you've got some you well you should have some business cards you're ready to go basically yeah it's a, it's a great sort of crossover effect as well from doing sort of card magic and and magic tricks into into mentalism because it's uh it's the first phase is essentially uh you know you write a prediction they choose any one of your business cards and that prediction matches what's on the business card so and it's and it's a very fair fair display so so that's one to look out for certainly when's that when's that being released it's december it's isn't it the first of december is is the scheduled date at the moment obviously that could be due to change if if there was any issue with the post but uh but that should should be in yeah. on the first so fair play fair play is love for gimmick on that yeah, the fair play is one of these little gimmicks that, you know, it's a it's a little key fob that has a, a prediction uh, for uh, a banknote, a coin, and a card. So they, the spectator places one in their pocket, and you have one, and they have one, and the key fob matches that prediction. It doesn't matter where they put it. It doesn't matter how many times they change their mind. And uh, it's one of these things that came into the shop, and when we first played with it, we were like, this is cool. This, you know, when you get something really, really good and you instantly go, I'm having one of these, we know that's a, a great sort of effect. And so the US version is out at the moment, which says bill instead of a banknote. Would you bother with that if you were in the UK or would you wait for the UK version? It's, it, you know, it's it's not, it, it really depends on you as a performer. If you feel like you you have no problem justifying that, you could just have a dollar bill in your, in your wallet and hand it to them and, and, and use that. Um, you know, but if you really want to use borrowed items and not have to justify, then then you might want to wait for the UK version, which is just a few weeks off. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's 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 all about you. If if it's something which you don't feel is a problem, I know lots of our customers haven't had that issue, and they're like, I don't I don't mind at all. So I think it, again, it's all about you and how you feel you can justify things. You were talking to me about um, uh, you know the process. Yes, uh, and this is a perfect trick, maybe to to use use some of the information in the process. I don't know if you guys have, have watched that DVD by Andrew Gerard. It's it's not a new DVD, but it has some fantastic thinking about drawing your audiences in. Um, so, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, check that out anyway. There's there's so much new stuff you forget about the the older stuff. So the process by Andrew Gerard great dvd full of it's not full of tricks it's got a couple of tricks on it but the thinking behind it is is insanely good so i highly recommend that yeah and and that would obviously we were talking about fitting that presentation style into fair play and getting people hooked on your presentation with fair play so cool right cheers we better wrap up so thanks for watching and do check out the blog drop us an email and give us some feedback about this video. <laughs> All right. All right, cheers, guys. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.